0: Today on the Matt Walsh Show, we are told that uh, the shutdowns are worth it because they're allegedly saving lives. In fact, we've been told that even if the shutdowns save just one life, that would be enough to justify the destruction of the economy. Well, on that note, I've been thinking about it and, you know, it occurs to me that there's one type of business, just one type of business that we could shut down permanently and save a million lives a year just by shutting down this one type of business. So if you are in favor of shutdowns to save lives, then uh, you should agree with me on this point. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including the governor of New Jersey admitting that he, quote, didn't think about the Bill of Rights when he was crafting his stay at home order, which is, of course, not a surprise. We already knew that. But to hear him say it out loud is maybe a little bit surprising. And in our daily cancellation, we will examine the idea that only white people can be racist. This is what kids are taught in school these days, and especially in college. But events in China would seem to very much contradict that claim. So we'll talk about that also. But first, um, a word from our friends over at ZipRecruiter. And I want to begin uh, just by giving a thank you to ZipRecruiter and all of the sponsors of this show. It's a, a very di- difficult time for all companies, for everybody in general. And um, so that's why I want to especially thank the sponsors of this show and of all of our advertising partners at The Daily Wire who are uh, helping to keep us going through this time. Now, ZipRecruiter is one of our longest standing advertiser partners, and uh, we're really proud to work with them. Uh, they, what the, the service they provide is indispensable, especially in a time like this. Today, they wanted to do something a little bit different than the type of ad you're used to hearing. So here's a message from our sponsor at ZipRecruiter uh, to you. It says, right now, we cannot be overwhelmed. We have to work to keep, to keep our loved ones safe and protect our communities. We have to work to stay strong, to stay connected, to stay focused. We have to work to inspire, to innovate, to build new solutions. But for all of this to work, we have to work together. At ZipRecruiter, we connect employers and people every day, but today is different. We are partnering with first responders, government officials, the medical community, the innovators in the manufacturing, transportation, and food distribution industries to make sure that we are finding the right people for the right jobs right now. Let's work together. Uh, ziprecruiter.com/work-together is where you want to go. Okay, a um, a common retort to conservatives who advocate for opening up the economy is that we are betraying our pro-life principles. I'm sure you've heard this. This charge is, and and you know, it's clearly absurd for a number of reasons. First of all, one of our primary arguments is that shutting down society is probably not the most effective way of saving lives. Uh, many people are still dying of the virus, even during the shutdown. Many will likely die once the shutdown is lifted. And even the most ardent supporter of shutdowns must must agree that we have to lift the shutdowns eventually. I mean, eventually we have to go back to our lives. And the virus is still going to be there when we go back to our lives. So we may not even be saving any, any lives at all when all is said and done. And on top of that toll, we now have to add to it the lives that are destroyed, ruined, ended, uh, in some cases by the collapse of the economy all told you know it, it is reasonable to worry that the cost in human death and suffering will be greater because of the shutdown than it would have been had we not shut down and had we adopted preventive measures while still allowing the economy to continue now you may disagree with that argument okay but it is it's, it's obviously not an argument that denies the value of human life that's not what the argument is doing The argument is saying that human life is extraordinarily valuable, infinitely valuable. uh, But our method right now of protecting human life is not a good method. Here's a better one. That's the argument. Okay. Also, nobody who criticizes the strategy of willfully plunging the nation into a Great Depression is suggesting that the elderly and others who, who are most vulnerable to the virus should be directly killed. Okay. None of us are saying that this is not like a eugenics argument. We're merely suggesting that there are other and better ways of protecting those populations and that uh, the enormous cost of our current method is far too high and the payoff is far too uncertain. Now, by contrast, advocates of abortion support the direct and purposeful killing of vulnerable people at the earliest stages of life. That is a very different sort of position to take, even even if, okay, even if the anti-shutdown people were to argue that the elderly aren't worth protecting and we shouldn't bother protecting them, which, which that is m- most emphatically not what we're arguing, but what I'm saying is, even if we took that stance, that stance would, be, would, would look positively Gandhian in comparison to those who openly celebrate and advocate the medical execution of infants. Which brings us to an important point. The flip side of the erroneous, um, you know, you anti-shutdown people are contradicting your pro-life views accusation is that a great many of the pro-shutdown people actually are contradicting their pro-abortion views. As as, as, as I've explained, it, it is possible for a reasonable person to affirm the inherent value of human life while also arguing that the shutdowns are unwise. That is possible to do. It's very reasonable. Indeed, a reasonable person can argue um, that uh, that that you know it's it's the inherent value of human life is the reason why we should not have the shutdowns. So it's not just that uh, you know in in spite of that, but it's because of that that we shouldn't have the shutdowns. That is a that's a reasonable argument. You don't have again, you don't have to agree, but it's a reasonable argument. Um, but there's the other side of that, and what I can't see on the other hand is how a person can argue that it is just and proper to intentionally kill a million human lives every single year for the sake of preserving the lifestyle of the parents, and then also argue that we must destroy the lifestyles and livelihoods of millions of people in order to preserve human life. So there seems to be a logical disconnect there. The the latter argument can only potentially make sense if human life has inherent value. While the former argument could only potentially make sense if human life has subjective and conditional value that is not inherent value. So which is it? Uh, the pro shutdown camp declares that every life has value. Every life is worth saving. I agree with them. But the odd thing is that so many of them don't really agree with them. They don't appear to have a coherent perspective on human life and its value and that's one of the reasons why this debate has been so fruitless and doesn't go anywhere because we don't we it, it, we don't have a, an agreement on the inherent value of human life and there are people who are who are making claims as if they believe that that human life has inherent value when in fact they don't believe that. And that's how we end up in this Morbidly ironic situation where a where a a society that kills a million babies a year for convenience has shut itself down to prevent the elderly from dying. Um, If there's any principle here that can be found, it would seem that the principle is that adult life is more valuable and more worthy of protection than the lives of children, which of course is incoherent, not to mention uh, backwards and, and and evil. Um, all life has value. But a, a healthy society, I would say, is should be far more willing to accept the death of adults than the death of children. Which isn't to say that we shouldn't do anything to protect adults. I'm not saying that. But adults must die eventually, after all. Children should not. Least of all, should they die by our own hands, which is what's happening. A properly ordered and healthy society would see the death of an adult as a tragedy, which it is. But the death of a child, it would see as something so unspeakable that the word tragedy doesn't even cover it. We seem to have flipped those things around, flipped it on its head. And that doesn't make sense to me. But look, perhaps I'm being too cynical. Um, I have to leave open the possibility that all the pro-abortion people who are now applauding the ruination of our economy because even a sacrifice as extraordinary as that is worth it to, to save just one life, supposedly they say, um, maybe all these people have experienced a dramatic change of heart. You know, Maybe this is not hypocrisy or inconsistency, but it's a sign that a, a new leaf has been turned in our culture. Maybe these people have discovered within themselves for the first time a real passion for defending the worth and dignity of human life. Um, in that case, you know, I welcome them to the pro-life team. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you. And I would just like to suggest that if we're pursuing a policy of shutdowns to save lives, we only really need to close one type of business. It's 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 the one type of business that kills a million babies a year in this country. Now, we can argue about the other shutdowns. We can argue about the, the wisdom of the other shutdowns and whether or not we should be shutting down other businesses like restaurants and, and retail shops and so on. But anybody who really wants to protect human life should agree that, that that this is the best place to start. This at least is one type of business, abortion clinics, that we should certainly shut down. And there is no doubt that we could save uh, many, many lives just by doing that. So I'm glad we could come to this understanding. Now let's move on to uh, headlines. Number one, and uh, thousands of people in Michigan, uh, the Michigan Michiganers. What is it? Michiganites? Michiganis? But it, anyway, um, thousands of them showed up uh, at the state capitol yesterday to protest the onerous, tyrannical orders coming from the um, the emperor of, of Michigan, Emperor Whitmer. And uh, first of all, these patriots deserve to be applauded for standing up. And uh, I hope this is the start of a trend. It's just very beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see. Meanwhile, the emperor herself appeared on NBC to justify her policies. And she explained, I'm not making this up, I'll play you the clip, she explained that it's snowing in Michigan anyway, and so you don't really need your, your liberties because it's snowing, watch this.
1: We just had snow, I've got snow on the ground here in Michigan right now in Lansing, we're expecting you know, up to 30 inches in the Upper Peninsula. The fact that we're cracking down on people traveling between homes or planting or um, landscaping or golfing, really for a couple more weeks isn't gonna meaningfully impact people's ability to do it cuz the snow will do that in and of itself.
0: We're cracking down on people planting. That's actually what she said. Think about that. Cracking down on people planting. But that's okay because uh, it's snowing, so you can't do this stuff anyway. Which, of course, raises a question. Well, it raises many questions, one of which is this. If you're saying that nobody can do these things anyway, then why are you banning them? What's the point of saying... Uh, you know, this, you're forbidden from doing this, but you can't do this anyway. So you shouldn't worry about the fact that you're forbidden from doing it. Well, then why are you bothering to forbid them from doing it? Of course, in reality, uh, you, you, you still can do all of those things. For example, you could still plant, even in Michigan, you could still buy seeds and plant them. You just, you do it indoors. We have plants growing inside our house right now. Many people do, even though I don't live in Michigan, but, um, so that, it's, it's not true, first of all, but uh, even, if it, even if it was, the, the excuse makes no sense. Number two, the, un, the new unemployment numbers have been released. Five million Americans applied for unemployment last week. That makes the total number of unemployed since this, be, since this all began uh, about 22 million, or 15% of the labor force. We have officially lost 15% of the labor force in a month. Which it goes without saying is unprecedented. It has never happened before. So we are on entirely, un- we we are in uncharted waters at the moment. But really, these numbers we have to we have to remember. I have to keep reminding people when we talk about this that these numbers are almost meaningless. Almost meaningless, not because they don't matter, but because the actual numbers are much much higher than this. Okay all this tells us is the number of people who successfully applied for unemployment it does not include the many millions of people who tried to apply and couldn't get through because the systems were down and uh, also all the people who don't qualify for unemployment in the first place even though they with they are without a job right now so we talk about 22 million that is uh, i mean not even the tip of the iceberg that is just that, that that's a that's a minimal starting point um but we have to remember that it's Much higher than that. And this is also, it's important to note because I've seen some people this morning um, all but celebrating because, well, 5 million people filed for unemployment, but that's down from 6 million the week before. So it's only 5 million. Only 5 million people. Which, even if it was just the 5 million, um, there's, there's nothing to celebrate there. That's not an improvement. That is 5 million additional people who don't have jobs now. But in fact, it's a lot more than 5 million. That's the point. Number three, Joe Biden was on Morning Joe uh, today and and offered a very touching story. Well, I think it was a touching story. I couldn't really tell.
1: But maybe, let's see if you can make heads or tails of this. I sat with a guy yesterday on, on a telephone and he's telling me, he said, I don't know. He said, look, I, 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 I worked at the hospital. And he said, then I, I, got, I got myself in a position where I got the virus. So they quarantined me and, and they put me in the hospital and I made it out. And so I'm out. But they don't want me with my family. I'm on the third floor. I spent 15 minutes on the phone with them saying, he said, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And they come to the door outside and they just knock on the door and say, daddy, daddy, can I see you, daddy? Can I see you, daddy? So, we spent time going through it. I used to do it with my kids when they were little and I couldn't see them. And we'd play games. I said, knock, make up a game, knock knock on the door and say, this is, you know, practical things. The guy's scared to death. And he's yeah. he's worried about his children. He's worried about his wife. I mean, these are practical things. And the president talks about this like, okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to open tomorrow. We're going to do this. I mean, it's just, I must tell you. It drives me crazy. I don't know yeah, what he doesn't understand about people's fears.
0: So I'm not sure. I I don't know exactly what's going on there. It seems like he was starting to say that he what was he he was in quarantine or something once when he was with when he was a, a parent of young children. Or I, I don't know exactly. I was kind of distracted because I was I was more paying attention to his wife sitting next to him. And you could see the expression on her face where she was. She was sort of thinking, like, "Where is this going, Joe? Where is this going?" It's actually a, a look I'm very familiar with because my I, I get that from my wife sometimes when I start saying something publicly, and she kind of has this look like, "Okay, where is this headed?" Um, all right, let's uh, let's stay on the theme of bizarre cable news interviews because these are these are fun. Here's the Emperor of New Jersey, Emperor Murphy, on Tucker Carlson last night. He made a rather stunning admission. Watch.
1: You made that decision, and as I noted before, 15 congregants at a synagogue in New Jersey were arrested and charged for being in a synagogue together. Now, the Bill of Rights, as you well know, protects Americans' right and their right to practice their religion as they see fit and to congregate together to assemble peacefully. By what authority did you nullify the Bill of Rights in issuing this order? How do you have the power yeah, to we do were- that? That's above my pay grade, Tucker. So I
0: wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. We went to all, first of all, we looked at the data well, and the tell. science and it says. Pe- <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the Bill of Rights when I did this. That is, uh, so that, that's, that's some honesty right there. I appreciate the honesty. And of course, I, we already knew that. It's, it's very clear that they're not thinking about the Bill of Rights when they come up with these shutdowns. The fact that he that he feels so um, safe in, in saying that, there isn't, he has no problem coming out and saying, ah, I wasn't thinking about the Bill of Rights. Bill of Rights, Schmill of Rights, that should concern us, though. But it tells you exactly where, I mean, f- for all the people who are still denying that our, our basic civil liberties are being infringed upon. Uh, you know, maybe just open your eyes and also your ears. Listen to what these people are saying. They will tell you. They are all but telling us, yes, we are infringing on your civil liberties. We are doing it. They're basically announcing it as they do it. And yet you still have morons out there saying, what are you talking about? Our liberties aren't being infringed upon. He just said, yeah, I didn't think about the Bill of Rights. So it's not relevant to what I'm doing. Just like we've had cops saying, uh, you know, First Amendment is non-essential. Your rights are suspended. Five. Finally, Dr. Fauci did an interview on Snapchat's Good Luck America, which is evidently a thing. Uh, reading now from the New York Post, it says, Toward the end of the taped segment, Fauci was asked if you're swiping on a dating app like Tinder or Bumble or Grindr and you match with someone that you think is hot and you're just kind of like, Maybe it's fine if this one stranger comes over. What do you say to that person? Okay, so we're asking um, Dr. Fauci for uh, dating advice now, which why not? We, we already we get economic advice from him. We get all kinds of advice. Dr. Fauci is now our national guru who we go to for advice on all topics because he's an all-knowing, all-seeing, omnipotent being. Um, and uh, he replied, you know, that's tough. Because that's what's called relative risk. Then then he dropped the bombshell. If you're willing to take a risk, and you know everybody has their own tolerance for risks, you could figure out if you want to meet somebody. And then he added, if you want to go a little bit more intimate, well, then that's your choice regarding a risk. Okay, so first of all, Dr. Fauci has given you permission to have sexual relations with strangers. So he's, he's given you, if you're going to him for permission, he's given it to you. Um, because, as I said, of course, we go to Dr. Fauci for really anything you want to do. Now you have to go to Dr. Fauci; he'll tell you if you can do it or not. Um, is this consistent with everything else he said? No, but you know, we we can't expect him to be consistent. That's that's no. He's he'll decide in the moment what's what's the safest thing and what isn't. So we've got Dr. Fauci saying, "Yeah, you know, if you want to have sex with a stranger, uh, you go ahead and do that." Meanwhile, in some states, like in Michigan. You're not allowed to have your own family members over just to visit for dinner. So you can't have um, your parents over for dinner, but you can invite, or we're told it's safe to invite a stranger over to have sex. That's makes a lot of sense, right? Now let's, let's move on to your uh, daily cancellation. But before we do, uh, a note about the Daily Wire. Quarantine, you know, might not be any fun, but you know what is fun? The Daily Wire deal I'm about to share with you. When you become a Daily Wire, Insider Plus, or All Access member, then you will get not one, but two of the highly coveted leftist-tears tumblers. Rumor has it that this tumbler completely eliminates the threat of thirst if you fill it with some sort of liquid and then drink the liquid. That is uh, not just rumor, but in fact, that's a scientific fact. Daily Wire members get many amazing benefits, including, of course, the magnificent, the irreplaceable, singular, Leftist Tears Tumblr. You also get an ad-free website experience, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, access to the mailbag, and now exclusive election insight op-eds from Ben Shapiro as well. uh, Daily Wire members also get to ask us questions during backstage, and our new all-access tier allows you to join in live online Q&As with me and the other hosts as well. So there's a ton of stuff you get. And again, that's two leftist tears tumblers, not just one, but two, when you become a Daily Wire, Insider Plus, or All Access uh, member. Okay, today we're canceling the people who claim that only white people can be racist. That whole school of thought is officially canceled. And, and just to be clear, that is a very real school of thought. There are people out there who not only believe this, but teach it. it it's taught in schools. Um, many leftists believe and will tell you if you ask them that racism is power plus prejudice. That's the equation. And um, only white people have power, allegedly. So only they can be racist. And this holds true. It doesn't matter. I mean, even when Barack Obama was president, according to this formulation, he had no power. He was the most powerful man in the world, but he actually had no power because of uh, the color of his skin. And so you could be racist to him, But he couldn't be racist to you, even though he's the president and you're just a peon, right? Now, of course, all you have to do really is open your eyes and look around and you can see that this is not the case and it's totally insane. In fact, the very claim that racism is exclusive to white people is itself racism against whites. So it's not hard to disprove. But here's one thing, one example that will uh, be especially hard, I think, for the "only whites or racist" crowd to navigate around, and that is China, um, since you know dumping on China is, is is the popular thing to do right now, and for good reason. They they certainly deserve it. Let's uh, let's add this into the mix. A, McDo- a McDonald's in China actually recently tried to ban black people from entering the restaurant. Okay, here's the BBC report about the incident. It says. Uh, McDonald's in China has apologized after a branch in the industrial city of Guangzhou barred black people from entering. A video shared on social media showed a notice that read, we've been informed that from now on black people are not allowed to enter the restaurant. McDonald's said that when it found out about the notice, it temporarily closed the restaurant. Tensions have been running high between Africans and local people in the city. Last week, hundreds of Africans in Guangzhou were evicted from hotels and apartments after online rumors that coronavirus was spreading among African people. Guangzhou is a hub for African traders buying and selling goods and is home to one of China's largest African communities. Um, And uh, so on, and it goes on up there. This this is not very surprising. There have been many reports of anti-black bigotry and violence um, in response to the pandemic in China, which of course makes no sense on a number of levels, starting with the fact that the, the virus started in China and because of China. Not in Africa, but then bigotry, of course, never really does make sense. But this is all in the context of Chinese culture, which has a huge problem with racism, especially anti-black racism, but but also just racism in general. And uh, Chinese culture is very racist, and this extends beyond China. Anti-black bigotry is all over East Asia, South Asia, uh, India. You know, um, anyone who has any experience with any of these countries knows this, and will tell you. It's the very large elephant in the room. Whenever somebody is preaching about the unique evils of white racism, you've got Asia, you know, the the, the very big elephant in the room, or on the globe anyway, where racism is extremely common and socially acceptable. Um, Here's another example. This is a a Chinese ad for a a laundry detergent. Um, Now, I want you to watch this and think, what kind of culture produces an ad like this, watch. Now, for anybody uh, listening on iTunes or or SoundCloud or something and you couldn't see the ad, just to describe it to you, that was an ad, Chinese detergent. And in the ad, a black man is um, stuffed into a washing machine. And when he's lifted out, he's now Chinese. Okay. Now, um, can, can you imagine an ad like that in this country? Can you imagine like Thai detergent putting out an ad like that? No, you can't it could never happen. I mean, that could only exist in a country where racism is open and acceptable, a country like China. And uh, it's not just China, by the way. It's not just Asia either. I mean, the the the, the, the fact is, while the left tries to make the the claim that the U.S. Is, is somehow the most racist country on earth, the truth is probably exactly the opposite of that. Now, racism ex- exists in this country, obviously, like it exists everywhere and always will. But uh, it's not acceptable, and being openly racist will get you ostracized in this country. And this is also in a country with more ethnic diversity than any other. So it's not like it's easy for us not to be racist because we're all the same race anyway. You no, know, it's not something like that. It's we got a whole bunch of, of 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 ethnicities and races living in this country, and um, we do a better job uh, of uh, with that and of of promoting diversity. And of uh, you know, um, getting rid of racism than any other country does. But you know, of course, you're not going to hear that from from the left. And 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 you need a they've got this very simplistic narrative, and it's really easy and it's convenient. White people are evil. White people are racist. And so they have no choice but to ignore you know, the racism that happens. All across the world among you know billions of people all across the world all right uh let's go to emails and if you become a daily wire member you can always email the show through the mailbag this is from tinus is the name that's with a t tinus i don't know if that's his god if that's his christian name or not i'm not sure but he says dear matt I actually don't mind the whole state-enforced mandatory mask wearing because they're just trying to keep us safe and healthy. But I don't wear one myself because they get in the way of my cigarettes. So I, I appreciate that, Tinas. And you know what? I, I also think that I, I've said before, we, we, you know, I, I think we can reopen the economy. And I think it makes sense, at least in certain contexts and in certain industries, for there to be masks, and you know, even if you want to have a you know, laws and policies in individual places that require masks, uh, I don't I don't necessarily see a problem with that, as long as it's not overly onerous and as long as it makes sense. Now, requiring somebody to have a mask when they're walking down the street that doesn't make sense, but in certain industries it might make sense. Uh, I mean, the restaurant industry, for example, maybe. So I don't have, I don't really have a problem with that, but one of the, the issues that I have, one of the big issues is that only a month ago, the government was telling us don't wear masks, not just telling us not to, but scolding us for wearing them. And now they want to mandate them. Let's go to uh, this is from SP. It says, I'm a homeschooling parent going on two years. Do you think there's going to be a backlash against homeschooling due to all the parents who have been currently forced into homeschooling because of COVID 19 school closures? I recognize this issue is already under attack under normal circumstances, and fear possible long term policy repercussions. Uh, well, there's you talk about a backlash from government policy or just from the from society in general. I think uh, I, I think I think looking on the bright side of it, I, I think that there are going to be people who've been homeschooling during this and discover that you know, it's not as hard as they thought and maybe they actually enjoy it. I've actually heard from quite a few parents who've told me this, that they've been forced into becoming homeschool parents as, as all parents have across the country. And they said they, they actually enjoy it. And it's made them rethink the idea of homeschooling. So I think you it, it probably would be the opposite. You're going to see an, in, an increase in homeschooling. It's gonna become more popular um, now will the government try to counteract that when they see people, they see parents pulling kids out of government schools, is the government going to try to tamp down on that to try to get their, to try to get the, uh, their subjects back into the school classrooms? I think that's a very real possibility from Chuck says, hi, Matt, you've been spending a lot of time criticizing the government, which I understand, but I haven't heard you grapple with what the Bible says about this to remind you. Then he quotes, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against uh, what God has instituted, and those who do so will be bring to judgment on themselves. Uh, Isn't it our responsibility, he continues, to listen to, respect, and yes, obey these shutdown orders, even if we disagree with them? Isn't that what the Bible says? All right, well, and that's uh, Romans 13 that he's quoting there, of course. So, Chuck, what I would say is I think there are two ways to interpret that passage that you just uh, quoted. One is to interpret it broadly, universally, very literally, and say it applies across the board. And uh, basically, every government is instituted by, instituted by God. Every government has the authority, of, of uh, has divine authority in effect. And so it is always wrong to disobey and to rebel against the government. You know, you, you could interpret it that way, All right. The other way of interpreting it is to understand it as something with limitations. And, um, and to understand that the government can actually lose its God-given authority and its moral authority. And by losing its moral authority, it loses its God-given authority. So those are the two ways, generally speaking, of interpreting it. Now, the problem, yes, if you interpret it the first way, then that would obviously apply to all these shutdowns. And all we could really do is, now we could complain, I guess, but we have to go along with it. Um, You certainly can't defy it. And I guess, really, we shouldn't even complain about it or speak out against it because we have to believe that this you know, these, these, this is God-given authority and uh, they're doing what's best for us, and so just cooperate and go along. If you're going to go with the first interpretation, yes, that is how you would approach the shutdowns. The problem, though, I think is rather obvious. Because if that's the case, then that would, apply, that would have applied to the Nazi government in Germany in the 1940s. And we would have to say, we would have to say, That the Nazi government was instituted by God. It had divine authority. And anyone who disobeyed or rebelled against, you know, the Jews in the ghettos who rebelled against the government, they were doing the wrong thing. They were doing something that was morally wrong. And that their responsibility was just to get on the the, the train cars and go to the concentration camp. That's what you would have to say if you're going with that first interpretation. Uh, You would also have to say, of course, that our this country was founded illegitimately because this country was founded on a rebellion against a governing authority. And that raises all kinds of questions because if that's the case, then our government, I guess, is not legitimate. So does it have governing? I I think by that interpretation, maybe you would say this government has no authority whatsoever because it was founded illegitimately by rebelling against um, the authorities that it was supposed to be subjected to. So, I, I think this interpretation becomes just morally obscene and illogical. I think it's very clear, it's self-evident that, for example, the Nazi government had no God-given authority whatsoever, and that to rebel against it was uh, not only acceptable, but was the morally right thing to do, and was courageous. And... um it's what God wanted. Uh, so that, that to me just, if, if you want to make that argument, you can. But um, I think you're, you're, you're interpreting a biblical passage in a way that is morally obscene. And I, I think we have to avoid doing that. Which leaves us with the second interpretation, which is there are some limitations on that. And the government can lose its God-given authority. Well, another example, our government says that uh, it's okay to kill babies, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. A million babies a year are killed legally, and uh, according to the interpretation that you're going with here, it would seem that uh, you know we, we, we can't really defy that or rebel against it, and we just have to accept it, because the government says it's okay to kill babies, so therefore it is. I don't believe that. I don't believe it for a second. There is an authority higher than the government, right? Now, we know that under normal circumstances, the government derives its authority from God, but that means that God is, of course, above the government. And the government cannot overturn basic moral laws. So I I go with the fact that that there are limitations on that authority. And uh, then it becomes a question of, uh, do these shutdowns exceed those limitations? And that's you know that's a that's a question open for debate. I think it does, and my answer is yes. I think it does, um, because the government itself is acting unlawfully. You know, we know the way that our the, the way that our system is set up, the ultimate supreme legal authority is not just the opinion or the whim of a governor or a bureaucrat or a senator or the president. The ultimate legal authority is the Constitution of the United States and they are defying that. So they are acting unlawfully and therefore forfeiting their authority in my view. Uh, but it's, uh, it's an interesting discussion to have. So I thank you for the email. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020.
1: Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of the Andrew Claven show. The time is coming to start getting back to work. Trump says we can get it done. The New York Times says despair and die. Which advice should we follow? Hard to figure, but we'll try on the Andrew Claven show.